seat. I loved hearing our voices just sing that in this space, sing that over our lives, sing that over each other, sing that in our world that God loves us, me, and you, and you, and you, and this city, and this world are loved by God who is good, and we cannot say that enough. So there's this place down in Dallas at the intersection of Irve and Cadiz streets where the homeless who could not get into shelters used to line their boxes and their belongings and their blankets and stay the night and just sleep one after another for a whole city block. And Lindsay and some friends and I kind of fell in love with the place, and so we'd go down there from time to time to hang out, help feed, bring some supplies to them. Uh, as we, over time, we began to learn what people wanted and what they looked forward to, and it was things like, um, like fresh fruit or a clean pair of socks that we could bring to them. One time, I had the bright idea of taking a bunch of duct tape and wrapping it around nails and handing it out to people on the street just in case they needed duct tape or a nail for anything, because apparently all the um, street smarts that I have, I learned from Boy Scouts along the way. Um, <laughs> hopefully no one got shanked that night on uh, Cadiz and Hervé Street. Uh, but it's not the worst. I've heard this story down there, and I don't know if it's true or not, about a church group that came with, um, with well-wishing packs for the homeless on the street with microwave popcorn in them. Um, yeah, so it could be worse. But the two things that we had to give to the people there that they wanted and they cherished the two things. One was, um, was plastic sheeting, because plastic sheeting kept the rain off and the wind from cutting through. And the second was conversation, because very few people stopped long enough to talk with them. So one night, I'm talking to this husband who's there with his wife, and uh, they ask me, where are you from? And I said, I'm, I'm from, from Paris, Texas. That's where I lived at the time. And he said, oh, I've been there. I said, oh, okay. He said, you know the Kroger remodeling that was going on there? And I said, yeah, actually, that's the grocery store, like, right down the street from my house. And he said, I worked on that. And I kind of paused a little bit. And I looked at this guy named James who was telling me this story, and I started doing the math because that Kroger remodel ended about two months before this time. And James continued, and he said, yeah, um, I used to drive up there to do work, um, and then my car broke down. I didn't have enough money to fix it, and the story just sort of trailed off into silence, but I knew the rest of the story. Because economists tell us that without a support system to fall back on, people who live paycheck to paycheck can go from unemployed and housed to homeless in two to three months. And James lost his car, he lost his job, and here he was on the streets wrapping his wife in plastic. (laughs) And I thought about myself and the privilege and the life that I was born into and the times I've messed up in my life, but I had parents who would put me up and put up with me. But I could have been born James as much as Jonathan. And I looked at him and I saw me. And my eyes were open and something deep moved in me. Maybe you've felt that deep moving before, that deep moving of your heart. Uh, That feeling that you feel in those moments is a word called compassion. Compassion. It comes from the Latin root to feel, passere, and calm, with, to feel with. 
And I think it's a beautiful word, and it's beautiful because of that with part. It doesn't say to feel for someone, but it says to feel with them, together with them. Compassion begins with recognizing our shared humanity and dignity. Compassion isn't a relationship between the housed and the unhoused or the healer and the wounded. Compassion is a relationship between two equals that begins with recognizing our shared humanity and feeling with, to feel deeply, to begin to be moved by the people we encounter. And when you feel that stirring in you, it is more than just a sensation or a fixation or a response to some Hallmark commercial that you've seen on TV, although those get me every single time. Um, that what you're feeling is an echo of the fact that you were made in the image of God. And the person you're sitting across the table from or that you're speaking to on the side of the road was as well. And it's the image of a God who is love, who is compassionate, who feels and hurts and is with us, with all of us on our journeys and calls us to be with each other as well. So as Hannah read from Psalm 145, verse 9, the Lord is good to all, and his compassion is over all that he has made. Our God is good, and compassion is what covers us all. Compassion is God's posture toward humanity. God's heart moves for all people. A God who loves all, who made all, who holds each life and dream and hope as precious. Our God is a God of compassion who is with those who are hurting. And God's heart is especially moved for the poor and the vulnerable and the suffering and the brokenhearted in our world. Because when we start to read the book of our faith, when we start to read the Bible and thumb through and get to know the heart of God, what we see is this true fact that pours out from every single page. There's over 2,500 verses in Scripture that talk about God's heart for the poor and the suffering and the vulnerable and the brokenhearted, about what is God is doing and about how we are invited to play a part, calling us to compassion and solidarity and justice and mercy to recognizing our neighbor's shared humanity. There's 2,500 verses in the Bible about this. There are 1,040 pages in my Bible. (laughs) So that means that on every page, there's two on average of these things. That's twice as many verses as talk about faith and prayer combined. This is God's heart, and it pours from every page. In this book that was written by thousands of people, over thousands of years, by 60 different writers, lifted up in communities and held precious for generations. There's a clear theme throughout it, and it is the good news that God loves and cares for the brokenhearted and the vulnerable and the poor. And God is inviting us to do something about that. Throughout Scripture, God identifies with this, with this characteristic that God calls God's self the father to the fatherless, the defender of the weak, the protector of the oppressed, and where God is mighty, God is mighty for justice and righteousness and compassion. You see this in in a place like Deuteronomy chapter 10, 17 through 19. It says, For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords and the great God, mighty and awesome. That sounds huge and strong. And then it goes on, Who is not partial and takes no bribe, who executes justice for the orphan and the widow, who loves strangers, providing them food and clothing. So you also love the stranger, for you 
were strangers in the land of Egypt. That is the compassionate heart of our God in action. And you see in that last verse, God always turns us outward toward each other in our shared humanity and invites us to compassionate action to be shaped by God's heart. Or as Jesus said simply and clearly, be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate. So we're invited to let God's compassionate shape us, shape how we see the world, shape how we see each other. Let our hearts be moved and act. And let that cocoon of comfort and consumption that I live in every day begin to crack open and let my heart begin to beat and move as it was built to beat, to be compelled by love to action. Okay, time out. So there's two ways that this kind of a sermon could go. One is like the guilt-inducing way that maybe you've heard before. (laughs) It's that way that says, get out there and try harder, buck up, be compassionate, go get them, and God will be happy with you, is what we hear, isn't it, subconsciously? In so many ways, it's this, do this, live this way, be more like this, feel this way, dress this way, and God will love you more. But we know we're not totally perfect, right? And we're not always compassionate, or even ever compassionate. So the flip side of that is that we're not totally worthy of love, or even being a part of this story at all. But that is not the heart of the God of the universe, and that's not the message of this community. God's message is so much more beautiful and powerful than that, because over and over again, God's message begins like this, love as you've been loved. Be compassionate like God is compassionate You were a stranger, so love the stranger just like you've been loved. It begins, and it's rooted and founded in the fact that God loves you, period, no matter what. Compassion does not enable you to be loved by God. The fact that you are loved by God enables us to be compassionate. Because when we've experienced compassion and love and grace of God, why would we keep that to ourselves? That incredible love to think that it covers over everything, that when God thinks about you, that God's heart moves for you with compassion, feels, and hopes with you. And those places in you that feel the most brokenhearted and the most vulnerable and the most poor and spiritually poor, those are the places where God is especially compassionate with you and where God is especially with you. And we begin to realize that is how our God loves us. Accepting that love allows our heart to begin to beat free, begin to beat like it was built to beat, to move like it was built to move. And as we love others, we begin to learn even more about how God loves all of us. Because we realize that God loves us even in our humanity. And it stirs us to want to love those that we share our humanity with even more. We're shaped by it. That's why we call this series that we're embarking on Heart Shaped, because it's about being shaped by God's heart, not about forging our own shape by accomplishment or achievement, but letting our hearts be shaped and our lives being shaped by the God who shaped us, who knows us, who loves us and calls us, the depth of our spirit and the truth of who we are and who loves our neighbor and our friends and our kids in that same way. Being compassionate does not enable us to be loved, but grasping how much we love enables us to be compassionate. So, okay, sidebar over. Let's get back to the story here. Um, Compassion. (laughs) 
In Jesus, we see a clear picture of what God's heart is. And over and over, Jesus' first response to the people that he meets was loving compassion. Just about every story of Jesus begins with a verse like this. As he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them. And then he acted. The Greek word for compassion that is used for Jesus is this awesome word, splagnitsomai. You love it? It's fun to say. All right, try it with me. Splagnitsomai. Yes, you feel it? Okay, what it felt like to say it is what this word describes. It was the insides of you being moved and stirred. Splagnitsomai. That you're deeply moved for the people around you. Compassion that you deeply feel and even hurt for those you encounter. And this was Jesus' first response to the people he met. Imagine if that was our first response to the people we encounter in the world, the person who cuts us off, that we're deeply moved for the compassion that they feel so stressed out that they have to drive fast in front of us. Compassion for the checker who's going a little bit slow and is seeing the faces of those around her get more and more frustrated. Compassion for those around us who are struggling and stumbling. That's our first response, knowing that there will be time for all of the other conversations later, for conversations about charity policy and economics and politics and refugee status and inequality in our world. As a parent, knowing that there will be time later for that you-should-have-known-better conversation, but that we begin, our first response is always compassion. And that our actions begin to flow from that place of deeply caring, of loving, of being moved, of sharing humanity and dignity with those around us. And leading with compassion is always best because that's the way that Jesus loved and God is compassionate to all and we want to be shaped by God's heart. But honestly, it is hard, isn't it? Compassion is hard. Being compassionate on I-35 is hard. Being compassionate in the workplace is hard. Compassion for my three-year-old son sometimes is very hard. Um, we have spent a lot of time on the thinking chair lately, and that's, that's just me <laughs> and my house. Compassion is hard, and in our world today, it is so much harder to be moved and stirred by this because there is so much. We hear everything that happens in our world with the speed of Twitter, don't we? Every injustice, every mass tragedy, every natural, natural disaster, every uh, machination of politics— Every racial injustice, every personal tragedy, homelessness, hunger, poverty, inequity in the structures of our world, schools that need help, students that need mentoring, broken families, bigotry, disease, famine, war, trafficking, lions and tigers and bears. Oh my, right? It can be overwhelming. It's enough to make us just throw our hands up and lock our door and put on some Kenny G and Netflix and chill. With the Gilmore Girls. It may not be enough for you to put on some Kenny G. Um, But it's a lot, isn't it? It's a lot. But this heart that is beginning to beat in us, even in the midst of that, will not let us go. Because this call to love our neighbor, to love as we've been loved, to recognize our humanity with those around us, begins to stir us to action. Because that's the heart of the God who loves us. And we want to be shaped by it. So what are we supposed to do (laughs) about it? Paul's writing to a church in Galatians that's kind of overwhelmed by everything. They don't have Twitter then, but life was pretty crazy around them. And he says this to them, So let us not grow weary in doing good. (laughs) I think that's a message that we need to hear. For we will reap at harvest time if we do not 
give up. So then whenever we have an opportunity, let us work for the good of all. Whenever you have an opportunity, work for good. And it does not say that everything we do and put our hands to has to turn out well or be the best thing, which is comforting for us, but it says keep on working for good and do not give up. Use your opportunities that you have and don't let yourself grow weary or overwhelmed, but keep on doing good. So John Wesley, who was the founder of Methodism, said it like this. He said, do all the good you can by all the means you can in all the ways you can in all the places you can at all the times you can to all the people you can as long as you ever can, which is beautiful and inspiring to me most days. In other days, I'm like, that's fine for you, John Wesley, founder of Methodism, but like, what good can I do? I am, I'm a ridiculously busy parent, and some days all only good that I can do is the merciful act of allowing my kids to wake up and breathe another day. What can you do as a 16-year-old, as a 60-year-old, what can you do? Well, I, I don't know specifically for you, but I do know this. I do know that it is more than you think. Because when you begin to let your heart be shaped by God, when your heart is shaped by God, your heart is not beating alone, but you are in partnership with the loving heart of the God of the universe and so many other people who are beginning to be shaped by God's heart as well. And so there's this crazy economy where God says to us, you do the good you can do, and I will come under you and in you and through you and with you, and I'll do what, I, what only I can do. We don't know always what good opportunity can bring, but we know that our heart begins to beat with the heart of a God whose compassion is over all, who over and over brings things together and multiplies. And God's kind of good has this crazy way of changing everything. But how can we even begin to help people who are hurting and vulnerable? We can't help everyone that we meet in our world who's hurting in this way is our response so often. But we can begin somewhere. So I want to offer us, as we close, a beginning place together to start. I say as we close, we've got a little bit more, so don't get too excited. (laughs) But as we draw into this final idea, this idea that if we embrace this, could take us deep, could shape our hearts, could change a couple of things. So I heard this advice from another pastor, and it has been very helpful for me. And it's this simple truth that we cannot do everything, but we need to begin somewhere. And so this guy named Andy Stanley says, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Because our hearts are stirred for so much in our world, isn't it? We wish we could do something. And so he invites us to just start with one. Use the opportunity you have with one person, with one cause, with one Sunday school class, with one whatever, what you wish you could do for everyone, when your heart is moved with compassion, find the one and do it for them. And in that relationship, go deep, go long, and give of yourself. Start there. And here's why this is so incredibly important, because it flies in the face of this feeling that we have of being paralyzed or growing weary. It flies in the face of this kindergarten lesson that we learned that if you don't bring enough candy for your whole class, you can't bring candy to school, right? And it can't have peanuts in it. That's all, also still a rule <laughs> that we need to follow. Because we can't do everything for everyone, so often what we end up doing is we end up doing nothing for no one. 
because we feel helpless in this, but we are not helpless. Our heart is beating with the heart of a God whose compassion is over all. So let's not grow weary. Let's use our opportunities and let's break through that paralyzing feeling and start with one thing, with one person, one Sunday school class, one cause, and pour in deep. Because when we pour in deep, we begin to experience the depth of God's love, of God's compassionate heart. And the depth of how our God loves begins to shape our hearts deeply in ways that short-term, scattershot service never can. There is nothing like going deep for the long haul. And so I want you, over the next couple of weeks, just to pay attention to that stirring in your heart. You may already know what your one thing that God is stirring you toward is. But think, this might be my one, and then act. And act in that deep, high, long way that is God's kind of love. Go deep. Go deep. Because going deep invites us to listen and to open up and to open our hearts deeply for those around us. So in that one thing, go deep with them. Second is go, go long. Invest for the long haul. You get to see God work and experience over the ups and downs of a journey, and you get to see that God really, truly is with us for the long haul. And the third is this, give of yourself. Not just money or prayers, though those are incredibly important, but this is the high calling part. But when we begin to give of ourselves, that's what begins to get our heart and our whole self beating in the shape of Christ, who gave him his whole self for us. That's God's kind of love. So a couple weeks ago, Crystal read this prayer of Paul for us. And I think this prayer is what we begin to live into when we let our heart be shaped by God. It's from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 18 and 19. It says, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ, that it's in for the long haul, that it goes deep and that it is high, that it gives of itself for us. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled, you may be shaped, you may be changed in the measure of all the fullness of God. So it may seem small, one by one by one, this love poured out. But I believe that compassionate action, one at a time, can change the world. And I know that because in my story, compassionate action changed my world. Um, There's a guy named George who was compassionate to me. This isn't about me being the hero in this story, but the one who was loved. After high school, I stumbled pretty, pretty good in life. Um, I made some bad choices. Uh, in school, I majored in life and not the biology kind of life, which is what I actually was majoring in and should have been studying. And everything came crashing down in this way that made me pretty broken. It seemed like the future was pretty impossible for me. But there was this dude who came along. He was a friend of my dad's, <laughs> uh, but he was actually halfway in between our ages, my father and my age. And he was someone who did not see my failure first. Instead, he saw me. He saw my humanity and he cared. His name was George. He was a police officer. He was a serious coffee drinker and he reached out to me and did not let go. And he started with this simple invitation. Hey, 
why don't you come over to my house and see the Godfather? <laughs> because he was shocked that I'd never seen this. How could I be a whole person never having seen the Godfather? And though the Godfather does not teach us good lessons about God or fathers, <laughs> it was a good thing for me because I needed a place, I needed a friend, I needed compassion, I needed a mentor, I needed someone who would go deep with me. And so over the months and years to come, we watched the Godfather trilogy. We watched Goodfellas <laughs> and Casino and Heat and on and on. And then we started with John Wayne movies and all of this stuff. But we talked and he invested and he cared and he was compassionate. At a time when I needed that, he went deep, he went long, and he gave of himself. And so one night, he invited me to come with him to his Bible study, and I went, <laughs> and it was weird. Um, <laughs> but it wasn't weird in, like, normal Bible studies ways. It was weird for me because I went, and, like, my friend's dads were there, <laughs> which was really, really weird. But it was also weird because it was clear that these men that I knew weren't perfect, that they had stumbled. But they were authentic, and they were good, and they were kind, and they were hospitable, and loving, and full of grace, and mercy, and compassion, because they had experienced it for themselves. And they were simply giving it away. And they showed me a heart of God who is good to all, and compassionate, and merciful, and welcomes us back with open arms. And where I was wounded began to be healed. And where I was wandering, I began to find purpose. And where I felt unworthy, I began to experience God's love. And George, he could never imagine what saying yes to this opportunity to love on a kid. I know he wanted to do it for every punk kid, but I was the one he had an opportunity to love. And he did. And who would have imagined that I can trace a direct line from that Bible study and drinking coffee with George to the fact that I stand right here opening the Bible and drinking coffee together with you. I asked him why he reached out and he said, I don't know, Perry, that's what he called me. I just kind of saw myself in you shared humanity and shared dignity and his heart was moved. He let compassion guide him and shape him. And even for just one, he reached out. He couldn't change the whole world, but he changed my whole world. And so for you, open, you may not be able to change everything about the world. You may not be able to change the whole world, but you can change someone's whole world. So let's listen to our heart. Let's listen to the heart of God stirring us. Let it be moved and let's go deep. Let's go long. Let's give of ourselves and let's love this world, even just one, the way that God loves us. And when we do that, there will be ripples of love through this community, through this city, through this world that you cannot imagine because our God comes along and multiplies those things. And maybe it starts with inviting someone to come watch The Godfather with you probably not, but like whatever it takes for you in that, let's love as we've been loved. And let our actions be shaped by the heart of a God who is all compassion. Let's pray together. God, thank you for this invitation to be a part of what you are doing in this world. God, for the fact that you loved us as that one that you poured into, you loved us deeply. God, you love us deeply.
God, some of us first, we just need to let you be compassionate with us. We need to be compassionate with ourselves and experience your grace and your mercy and your goodness poured over us no matter what. So God, thank you that you are good and that your compassion is over all. As you begin to stir our hearts and awaken us to your love, God, we feel compelled to pour it out on those around us. So stir our hearts this week. Stir our hearts. God, give us that elbow in the ribs and let us see the opportunity to find one to pour your love into, to go deep and go long. God, to go high and offer ourselves so that we can experience the depth and the length and the height of your love. God, thank you for your heart for our world and for inviting us to be a part of it. God, we pray especially for those who feel brokenhearted and vulnerable in our world. God, stir us to compassion. We pray this in your name. Amen.